Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Hungry Takes podcast with Joe and Matt from our studio in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. We are live, Matt, for a special um, episode recapping week one of the college football season. You know, we normally record exclusively on Thursday night, but this is a special episode to kind of have a rapid fire of our reactions while it's fresh on our mind to week one of the college football season. Yeah, Joe, it, it, if you know, we started by just talking about what we saw yesterday in college football. And then we decided, you know what, let's do a stream of consciousness. Here's what we saw in the first week of college football and just give our thoughts to the listeners. So here we are today, college football recap special week zero. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And, you know, yesterday in college football, Matt, it kind of felt like to a large degree, mostly chalk. You know, there were some skeptics wondering if Alabama could reload with retooling their entire roster. You lose the quarterback, you lose receivers, Heisman Trophy winner, lose offensive linemen. Yet Bryce Young comes in, John Mechie comes in, all these new players. They don't miss a beat. They absolutely roll Miami yesterday. So our first weekend storyline as far as the SEC has to be, in my opinion, the inevitability of Alabama. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to win the championship from what I saw yesterday. I didn't see anyone across the landscape of college football that could even stay on the field with Alabama. And the story here, Joe, is you saw other schools like Clemson, Oklahoma, all having to reload this year, right? Uh, Oklahoma's lost superstars throughout last year. Clemson, of course, lost Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne. Alabama lost their entire roster and coaches, and yet they come out. Bryce Young throws for over 400 yards, four touchdowns, and Alabama is not even pressured by Miami, which is one of the highest ranking outside of North Carolina ACC teams uh, in the top 25. And to me, that is just mind-blowing. For Nick Saban, it is reload, retool, and repeat. That's exactly what it is. It looks like they're well on their way to another repeat, another SEC title in Tuscaloosa, and it also impresses me that they did this with a complete new um, coaching staff to a large degree, new offensive coordinator and uh, Bill O'Brien, since, of course, Steve Sarkeesian is now the head coach at Texas. And then also, Matt, you look elsewhere in the SEC, Georgia was able to outlast Clemson in what was just a throwback defensive field position slugfest of a game 10-3. to Yeah, and, you know, I think the Georgia-Clemson game, in my opinion – gives us a better perspective on Alabama because here's a Georgia team. It's been pushing up in the Eastern Conference for the last few years. Uh, they, they were beaten by LSU during their championship run, beaten by Alabama last year. Clemson, right, uh, number two in the country for the last five years. And if you put either one of those teams on the field with Alabama yesterday, Alabama would have absolutely destroyed them. So I think the Georgia-Clemson game was good for what it was, a defensive slugfest. But for me, it really showed you that there is this upper crust that is Alabama, and then there's everyone else. And it really showed that there's really no one else that can stay on the field with Alabama right now, although it was a good defensive showdown. Yes, I think Georgia's defense is the only thing that would give them much of a chance against Alabama. You look at Nolan Smith, you look at the Kobe Dean. I mean, that defensive pass rush in the front line is so stout. But Georgia's offense to me was very disappointing, as was Clemson's offense. I thought that JT Daniels for Georgia was going to be really improved in his second year, taking over as the starter there with offensive coordinator uh, Todd Munkin. And I also thought that Zamir White 
was going to look a lot better than he did. I thought he had kind of more of a pedestrian game. And so in order for Georgia to have a chance against Alabama, they got to get the offensive going the rest of the year. I mean, the good news for both Clemson and Georgia is they probably won't face the defense the rest of the regular season that's as good as each other. Yeah, I mean, the story with Clemson is this was their hardest game of the season, right? So now they have 11 or 12 games to lick their wounds and basically go 11-1, and one, right, and, and to, to sneak into the playoffs. But, you know, Joe, we talked about Alabama. We're going to get to Oklahoma in a minute. Clemson, George, we talked about. We know the disappointment that was Ohio State. Really, the only other guy there is Texas A&M, and they played Kansas State yesterday, so we didn't get a good perspective on them. But I'm just blown away with how far and above Alabama is compared to these other teams. Yeah, and if you're searching for challengers in the SEC, it's really hard to find anybody that's as formidable as Georgia. I mean, Florida maybe had some moments against FAU. Who knows what to make out of that game? We haven't seen Ole Miss yet. We'll get to see them uh, tomorrow night against Louisville. So that'll tell us a little bit more about the ACC versus the SEC. Of course, the interesting thing there is that Ole Miss will be having to play that game without Lane Kiffin on the sideline. So who knows that their offense will look quite as crisp and sharp for Matt Corral. And then, of course, LSU losing to UCLA. That, again, kind of takes away another challenger conceivably for Alabama. So it's like everything's just kind of being cleared for Alabama to roll once again. Yeah, and, you know, we won't spend too much time talking about LSU because it breaks my heart, right? It's just almost like if Ole Miss has a, a depressing opener for you, Joe. But their their offense was horrible. Their defense was worse than their offense, which is hard to imagine. Really, they only had one good offensive player, Butte, uh, but their defense was horrible. The tackling was horrible. And then they go all the way across the country to get beaten by a UCLA team who is 11-21 and 21 in the past two seasons. And then, uh, you know, of course, the discussion is the Pac-12 is underwhelming at best. And so, for me, it was just a humiliating day for uh, LSU uh, really all of the state of Louisiana teams, which we can get into. But, yeah, LSU had a terrible turnout in their first game. Absolutely. And then, of course, the final SEC challenger, maybe we can concentrate on just briefly, Auburn did absolutely destroy Akron. I don't know what to think about that, but Auburn maybe is better than we're giving them credit for. Yeah, same vein with Texas A&M, right? Both Auburn and Texas A&M had really good showings. I think Auburn put up 40-something points. Maybe A&M put up 60. I can't remember. But like you said, one was against Akron. One was against Kent State. So how much do we make of those games? I'm not sure. But it looks like from the get-go, it's going to be A&M, it's going to be Auburn, Alabama, and then we kick Georgia in there to see what comes out of the SEC. So we've talked you know, a lot about the SEC and the storylines there. We mentioned Clemson and Miami, but let's talk a little bit more about the ACC storylines, Matt. And I feel like the big narrative is that the ACC coming into the season had three teams that had maybe outside um, when it comes to Miami and North Carolina playoff hopes in North Carolina loses to Virginia Tech in their first game as a top-10 team. Miami gets just blown away by Alabama. Clemson loses to Georgia. So you have the three best teams, supposedly, in the ACC all lose. Yeah, and the last hope here is tonight's Florida State versus Notre Dame. Can Florida State defeat a Notre Dame? Because to your point, the big dogs in the ACC, Clemson, North Carolina, and Miami, all went down in, in pretty bad fashion, actually. So where does the ACC stand at this point? For the longest, Clemson has been the, the, the team that's held that flag, although we thought North Carolina was coming around with Mac Brown. But to, to deal with a humiliating defeat like they did to Virginia Tech in the first game of the season, that's really tough, and it says a lot about the ACC right now. 
It does. It does. And the final thing I want to say about the ACC with Clemson, you know, we obviously always try to throw in something about food into our podcast, true to the name Hungry Takes. We know you guys love the food conversation. And Matt, um, a couple of days ago, I sent you a humorous meme that depicted um, the Clemson Tiger mascot a couple of years ago in the national championship loss to LSU. It kind of had a comparison and contrast to um, those two mascots, LSU and Clemson's Tiger, respectively. And Clemson's mascot, of course, at the time was getting a lot of flack as being kind of the great value version versus, uh, I guess, Frosted Flakes or Kellogg's was the LSU Tiger. What what did you make of that meme? Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. And it kind of makes me question. I need to go Google this after the show. Has Clemson improved on their Tiger mascot? Because that was pretty embarrassing. It's the same Tiger. I saw him uh, last night on the field against Georgia. That's, That's incredible. Clemson is a private university, richly endowed, right? They have plenty of money, private university. And, and that is crazy to me that their mascot looks that horrible. But the funny part is, Joe, something me and you talked about is maybe a future take here on Hungry Takes is when we compare name brand things to great value private label of uh, foods because it's an interesting discussion, right? I, I think off the top of my mind, I thought great value ketchup is better than Heinz or Hunt's ketchup. So maybe it's an interesting topic down the road. No, it definitely is kind of, you know, deciding which teams are kind of fool's gold, the great value version versus the name brand. We know Alabama is a name brand. Clemson this year is looking a little bit too much like great value as far as their performance in itself. So, yeah, I I think so. But, man, Joe, that is a hilarious meme. If all of our listeners, if you haven't checked out the meme, LSU Tigers versus the Clemson Tigers, do so. That's our hungry take on this episode. Check that out. It's definitely funny. But with that said, Joe, let's hop into the Big Ten storylines. Let's talk Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, uh, and see what's going on in that conference. So, Ohio State's going to carry the torch. You know, they're kind of the Clemson or Alabama, obviously the Big Ten, the biggest hope to make the playoff. But, they kind of had a little bit of an underwhelming performance against Minnesota on Thursday night. Um, their offense looked really good with uh, Stroud as the new quarterback in town. Scored, I think, 45 points. But they gave up 31 points, if I'm not mistaken. So their defense a little bit shaky uh, under Ryan Day. So we'll see how they recover. I think they'll probably be fine. I'm not as worried about them as I am maybe a couple of these other teams and other conferences. And then elsewhere, you look at Penn State and Iowa. Penn State gets a huge road win at Wisconsin after Wisconsin absolutely dominated the time of possession. I think Wisconsin had the ball 42 minutes in that game and only scored 10 points and lost 16 to 10. And then finally, we were talking about before the show how impressive Iowa looked in their win against Indiana. And Iowa has one of the better running backs, uh, Goodson, in the Big Ten Conference. And Iowa definitely looks like they could be a factor this season. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, something we're going to talk a little bit later on in the show today is, you know, who do we see as the early top four? And from what I saw on the field yesterday, I think Iowa's got a really good chance to find a way to sneak into the top four if they can win the Big Ten. I really like what I saw on the field. As far as these other teams, Joe, I thought Ohio State did not look that great uh, with with Stroud at quarterback. Uh, You know, maybe it's just some early on rust. I'm fine with that. Uh, Penn State and um, Wisconsin, to me, did not look that great yesterday. I mean, these are two of the of the the big dogs in the uh, the Big Ten, and I just didn't think they looked the part. You know, uh, so I don't really know what to make out of that. So, of course, chalk down the line. I think Ohio State comes out at the end, uh, and then, like I said, I like what I saw out of Iowa yesterday. But otherwise, I just don't see Big Ten being a huge factor this season. Yeah, I'm afraid not for that conference. Um, Speaking of a huge factor, the Big 12, you know, is always going to be led by Oklahoma, first and foremost. Secondarily, Texas is always in the uh, limelight. 
Both of those teams got a win yesterday, Matt, but in completely different fashion than we would have expected. They both played schools from the state of Louisiana. Texas was able to win pretty easily against Louisiana Lafayette. And then, of course, Tulane almost had a big comeback against Oklahoma, only lost to them by five points. I mean, what, what did you make of those performances for the Big 12? Yeah, it breaks my heart for Tulane. Tulane was so close, and and you got to pull for, for a school like Tulane. They have been non-existent for 10-plus years, really since Hurricane Katrina, right? So longer than that, that program took a dive. And, and so I would love to see them win yesterday. I think Oklahoma's win was bigger in perspective than Texas. Like everyone right now, if you turn on the TV, is giving Sark down there in, in, in Texas a lot of credit this morning, right? Oh, he's got the Texas program looking better. But they played a UL Lafayette team that I know gets credit and I think was even ranked uh, number 23 to start the season. But all in all, UL Lafayette is not that great of a football team, in my opinion. So I think that win by Texas will, was a little overrated, okay, to start. But with that said, you know, I think Spencer Rattler in Oklahoma, I think generally they looked good, but I was not impressed with Spencer Rattler's day. But I think ultimately Lincoln Riley will get them in shape and you're going to see the same Oklahoma as always. So I was a little more impressed with Oklahoma than Texas yesterday. I still don't buy into Texas and Steve Sarkeesian right now. Yeah, it's hard to say. I think the jury's still out when it comes to Texas. They've got to prove it against the upper echelon of the Big 12 Conference and other conference or out-of-conference foes. As far as Oklahoma, um, you know, obviously we were both picking Spencer Rattler to win the Heisman Trophy. I don't know if I'm going to digress from that just yet, but I did want him to have a better performance than that. I am a little bit concerned about um, his first performance being a little bit shaky. Yeah, and, and I think Bryce Young made a statement yesterday, right? Like, you can be Oklahoma and be a quarterback and win all these Heisman trophies, but he he's going to be Bryce Young. He's still going to put up prolific numbers in an Alabama offense. So, yeah, I think there's much room still in the Heisman race, but I was expecting a little bit better uh, from Spencer Rattler yesterday. But, Joe, before we move on, I do want to cover some news that broke yesterday right before college football started, and that was the Big 12 plans to uh, expand their conference by possibly letting in BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF. So this is just more of that conversation about how the conferences are going to realign. And I think with these four teams, the Big uh, 12 does not get any better, right? It's just another uh, one of uh, these situations where these smaller schools just move into this other conference. We've seen it with Conference USA when they uh, got rid of the whack and, and all this stuff. So, yeah, I don't think that that is news that's going to change the landscape of the Big 12. It's kind of one of those things where it's a desperation plea. Like, it's a desperation move. It's either do that or the conference is going to fold and all the teams are going elsewhere. And so you're trying to kind of preserve the conference, salvage things, if you will. I will say that BYU, if you add them, you are able to add a big fan base. Yes. And, and I do think um, Houston has had some pretty good seasons in the past. Cincinnati, of course, ranked in the top 10. So maybe there is. And of course, UCF, the, the self-proclaimed undefeated champion from a few years ago, right? So maybe there is some power that comes with it, but not enough power to compete with the SEC. So I, all in all, you know, losing Texas, losing Oklahoma, these four teams are not going to replace those two teams by a, long, uh, by, by a large amount. Yeah, you're almost having to become more of a basketball conference, you know, holding on to Kansas, adding BYU's had their moments, you know, having con uh, schools like Houston and Cincinnati. Houston was in the final four last year. Like you're almost having to retool and not even be much of a factor as That's far right. as the college football playoff. 
That's right. And so interesting there, it'd be interesting to see if they even get in, right? The conference has to allow those applications and to let them in, but seems like some early maneuvering. So Joe, with that said, let's get into our second section of the show, and that's going to be something we've deemed making moves. So we're going to talk top 25. We're going to talk top four, way too early list to get in the playoffs. And we're even going to talk a little Heisman. So let's start at the top. What do we see from the top 25? What changes are going to be there? Well, I think that you're going to see Alabama number one again. I think that's safe. I think the biggest change is they'll get all the first place votes. Like, I don't think you're going to see some of these other schools like Oklahoma and Clemson get any first place votes after those week one performances. Georgia might move up to number two. I could see that be one of the shifts. I think North Carolina obviously falls out of the top ten. Um, we'll have to wait on Notre Dame and see if they fall out. Um, I think you're going to see – Obviously, Louisiana Lafayette drop out of the rankings. Those are some of my initial thoughts. Well, what is your early take? All right, so I'm going to start at the bottom because you know me. Come on, Coastal Carolina. They got another big win yesterday. I think they won 50-something to nothing, or I can't remember, 50-something. So maybe Coastal Carolina moves up, rightfully so, after going like – they've won like 14 games and lost one in the past two seasons. So maybe you see them move up. I think, to your point, UL Lafayette in 23, they're going to drop out. I think LSU is about to take a precipitous fall, probably out of the top 25. Maybe they hang on to number 24 or 25, but I doubt it. I think Southern California is at 15 right now. I think they will move up certainly to 14 with Miami, but I also think maybe they move above Wisconsin at 12. I think North Carolina, to your point, comes out of the top 10. And then I'm right along with you. I think Alabama retains number one overwhelmingly. They get all the votes. Uh, otherwise, you know, you see Clemson drop by not a whole lot. The question for me is kind of where does Iowa go at number 18? Do they slide into the top 10 uh, from what we saw, or do they kind of stay in that that 15 area? So I think we could also see a massive uh, rise from UCLA, who's not ranked. I think they'll be, definitely be probably in the top 25 after two, you know, wins to start the season. And then – you mentioned Iowa. I'm interested in them. Also, Iowa State was the one team that you know, we didn't talk about in the Big 12. They're kind of the Big 12 sleeper team because they had their quarterback back, running back back, you know, same head coach, Matt Campbell. But to me, they had a little bit of an underwhelming performance yesterday in their own right. So don't really know what to do with them. Maybe they stay at number seven. Yeah, you know, Joe, my thoughts on the top 25, it's always tough. And here's what I mean. So you're gonna definitely going to see LSU fall the top 25, or like I said, 24-25 area. You're going to see Chip Kelly go from non-existent to top 25. Like you said, he could even be in the 15 to 20 area, so a, a solid ranking. He's 11 and 21 in two seasons. You mean to tell me after one win to an underwhelming LSU team, that qualifies you to be in the top 20? I just Top 25 drives me crazy year over year. It really does. No, it definitely does. And then another, um, you know, kind of uh, forgotten coach, Hugh Freeze, may get Liberty in the top 25. I think they won by 40 points yesterday. And and I'll be completely honest with our listeners. I don't know what I think about that because I think uh, Liberty won 44 to nothing yesterday. And, of course, they had a super season last year. I think maybe losing only one. You know, is Liberty for real? Like, what does their schedule look like? Do they actually, you know, should they be in the top 25 based on the competition? But whatever it is, Hugh Freeze has that program playing football. The big game to watch is early November. They travel to Oxford to take on Ole Miss. That could be a very interesting game. That will be a very interesting game here, especially us coming live out of Mississippi. Cannot wait to see that, Joe. All right, so let's move down to our way too early Top four. Who do we see in week zero getting into the college football playoffs? Well, I mean, the two teams that stood out for me yesterday have to be um, Alabama and Georgia. 
I mean, you look at Georgia's defense is what we're going to concentrate on as far as that storyline. Alabama, just the full roster looks so dominant. Outside of that, I'm still probably going to lean towards Clemson finding a way into the Final Four, even though they lost to Georgia. As far as the fourth team, I mean, maybe it's Ohio State right now. Maybe it's Oklahoma. Not really sure if either team has a firm grasp on that, but I'd, I'd say it's one of those two teams probably. Yeah, so I definitely think Alabama, obviously, coming out of the SEC, it's going to come down Oklahoma, Texas, right? Is Steve Sarkeesian for real? Can he upset Oklahoma? Depending on who wins that, that'll be your uh, Big 12. I think Clemson finds a way to survive in the ACC, mainly because they don't have much of a schedule left. And then I think ultimately, maybe Iowa is who brings it up. Maybe Iowa has a chance to, to beat Ohio State down the road. We'll, we'll see what Ohio State makes out of the season. But to me, there's your top four, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, and then finally finishing up, I think, with Iowa. So that's kind of what I'm thinking for the way too early top four. All right, Joe, let's wrap up this section. Let's talk Heisman. Who do you have out of your Heisman from what we saw yesterday? I mean, the best-looking quarterback, the best-looking player had to be Bryce Young. I mean, Alabama looks so good offensively, didn't miss, miss a beat with O'Brien as the new offensive coordinator. Um, you know, Spencer Rattler was the guy we were hyping up. You know, he was okay, but not, you know, to the Heisman level just yet. Still has a chance, you know, to stay in that conversation. Um, I think that the Iowa running back Goodson down the stretch this season could be in that conversation if Iowa has the kind of season it looks like they're showing glimpses of with their huge win against Indiana yesterday. Outside of that, Matt, it's really hard to say. I mean, the quarterback at Clemson, DJ, was kind of considered in that um, running coming into the season. So didn't see that from him at all against Georgia. Some people are putting Matt Corral at Ole Miss in the conversation. We'll have to see how he looks tomorrow night. He and Malik Cunningham is an interesting quarterback matchup. But it's kind of the overwhelming narrative, Matt. I talk about the inevitability of Alabama. It's just the inevitability of the chalk of what we've seen so far. We just don't see a whole lot of teams, a whole lot of players in the running for the Heisman or the Final Four. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So when I look at Heisman, I think, you know, not to be the dead horse, Bryce Young, right? I absolutely lit it up yesterday. You don't have to have too many 400-yard games, four touchdowns to really seal up that Heisman. Uh, so if he keeps doing that, I think it's a, it's a no-brainer. I think the Kayvon Thibodeau at Oregon, right, I, I think is is a great chance for the, the Heisman Trophy, uh, although he did suffer an injury yesterday. Joe, I'm going to pencil in a guy right now there is a linebacker at Fordham University yesterday who recorded 30 tackles against Nebraska and like I don't know how you get your name on the Heisman Trophy list like to the watch list but after a 30 tackle game coming from Fordham University playing a blue blood like Nebraska I feel like at least in the first week of the season you deserve to be on the Heisman Trophy watch list. He's definitely somebody that people were going to be talking about those kind of numbers. And I'd actually forgotten that Fordham even had a football program. I think about them having a basketball program. I knew they had a law school as far as graduate schools did not know they had a football program. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to uh, make sure I get the name right here uh, because I feel like our show, we, we love the underdog here. So I want to make sure we give this gentleman some love for his work. It's Ryan Greenigan. He registered 30 tackles against Nebraska, uh, ties an NCAA uh, Division I record there for Fordham University. So big shout out to him. If we can get him on the early Heisman watch list, let's do that, man. Yeah, yeah. And he actually, he and Fordham both gave a real scare to Scott Frost in Nebraska. And if they had gone 0-2, I don't know if they would have 
I'm allowing Scott Frost to come back for week three. And and there's a lot of conversation in that Nebraska program about Scott Frost right now. And I think we will definitely see how that plays throughout the season, but great point there. So Joe, let's finish up this episode like we finish up all Hungry Takes podcast. And that's with the hangry rant. Now, this is something me and you thought of right before in the pre-show. We're going to talk about the impact of uh, the name image likeness situation going on in college football and then just generally other college football thoughts. So I'm actually going to kick it to you to open up the hangry rant. Yeah, Matt, I know that you've got some great perspective as far as analysis on the NIL. And so I'll let you probably in a few moments talk about Bryce Young and some of the um, reverberations we're going to see throughout the season for these guys getting compensated with sponsorships galore. But just one of my overarching takeaways, watching college football yesterday, and I said this earlier in the show, is just the inevitability factor of the same teams continuing to be at the spotlight the same teams year in and year out, whether it's a different quarterback or whatever, being in the playoff conversation. You know, we've talked about before on other podcasts how it's only been like the same five or six programs that have made it to the college football playoff conceivably every season. And so you reach the point with inevitability where it's always chalk with the brackets. And then you also have the point, Matt, where bowl games no longer matter like they used to be. And then finally, there's just something about all the games being on TV right now in college football, I just feel like the sport has reached a point where it's just not as watchable as the NFL. And I don't know if you and I are the only people that feel that way, but I definitely think that that is a point in one of my takeaways coming off of yesterday. Yeah, and and I think you can marry these two, right? Because I think, to your point, the the college football landscape becoming more vanilla taken together with what we're seeing out of NIL, I think is going to have a detrimental effect to college football. And it's to your point, okay, you have chalk brackets. We already know in week one, we basically in this podcast have brought it down to about six teams. And I would love to see how this ages throughout the season, but I'm telling you 12, 13, 14 weeks in advance, we already know who's going to be in the college playoffs. And that's terrible, right? Like that shouldn't be, we don't have a clue who's going to play in the playoffs for the NFL, much less the Super Bowl. But here we are 15 weeks out and we can almost write them down on a sheet of paper and see how it ages in college football, and that's not a good look. I think the other thing you've seen that that helps with the vanilla uh, nature of college football is these superstars who don't want to play in bowl games, right, if they're not the college playoffs, so they sit out. But to impact that, you have the NIL deal, which I think is something that I take a special interest in and we want to talk about here, is that not only is college football becoming more vanilla, not only are college players wanting to sit out of the lesser-known ball games, but now you're going to have players more interested on what they look like and their brand than the actual games on the field. Like, let me give you an example. Sam Howell loses yesterday. His team's going to fall out of the top 10. JT Daniels has, a, in my opinion, not a great start to Georgia trying to win a national championship, but what breaks right now on ESPN? It's that Sam Howell and JT Daniels sign a six-figure trading card deal the day after their teams do not perform that well. So what are they more interested in, playing football or making money through the NIL? And the last point, and I'll turn it over here to you, is that we both watched the quarterback at Clemson, DJ. And I noticed yesterday, as they walked into the stadium, he wasn't dressed like a college player. And I'm not trying to stereotype it. He was dressed more like Cam Newton, 
which makes me think to myself, is he more worried about football or is he more worried about his appearance on TV? Because now it matters. If he appears better on TV, now he can actually sign clothing deals. Now he can sign sponsorship deals. Whereas before, all he needed to be was presentable as he walked into the stadium. Yesterday, he comes in with a three-piece suit, a hat on, looking like an NFL athlete. And Joe, just to your point, I think college football is getting more boring, more vanilla, and it's shifting towards the players and not the actual sport itself. Yeah, I mean, my overarching point, Matt, based on all of the great points that you made so eloquently, is that college football is at a crossroads. I think this is a watershed moment and generation for the sport because we've finally seen really not no longer a dichotomy between the NFL and college football. It's almost like they're synonymous to such a degree when it comes to compensation. And then you add on something that I've noticed over the last few years, how long these games last on TV. They're so much more inefficient compared to an NFL game. You have a lot of penalties, but they're playing the same number of minutes per quarter as an NFL um, teams do on the field. And so I see inefficiency. Every game's on TV, so I feel like that's created kind of an oversaturation of a good thing. You know, if you have 120 teams in college football, that's like 60 games on TV. It's viewer fatigue. The NFL only has 16 games any given week, so it's too much of a good thing. Um, It's just an inevitability factor. We already know who's going to be in the playoff. College football is at a precarious stage right now. It is. The the form, fit, and function of college football, in my opinion, whether this makes me sound aged out or washed, I'm not sure, but it's in the worst state it's been in in a long time. And and I think – The other side of it is you're seeing the popularity of the NFL, which is kind of a sister competition. It's football, but in a different realm, you're seeing the proliferation based on fantasy football. So that helps the NFL too. So Joe, I just don't like where college football is headed based upon the vanilliality that you have uh, discussed. And then of course, what the NIL is doing to it. That's right, Matt. And maybe we're the only people that feel that way, but I just don't think that's the case. I think that it's going to be interesting to see where the sport goes over the next few years with NIL. But we talked about the NFL. Really excited, guys, that Thursday night will kick off the NFL season. That means we'll be back Thursday night for another live episode here in studio for Hungry Takes. Thank you guys so much for joining us this afternoon for this special week one recap of college football episode, kind of off the cuff. As always, follow us on Twitter at Hungry Takes, and we'll be back on Thursday night at 630 Central, 730 Eastern time for some more football talk. Good afternoon.